Hi, educators. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is Classroom Conversations from Team Players, Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting. Classroom Conversations is the platform for Georgia's teachers, a place for you to share and learn. Consider us a bonus level for teachers earning all the points from grateful students smiling upon you in your classrooms. What if you knew how to step up your game in the classroom with gamification to engage students with a tool for standards-aligned learning that keeps them eager and on task? Step with me into a virtual space where teacherverse meets gamerverse. Player one in today's game is 13-year educator Autumn Sutton. Autumn has assumed several fascinating career avatars in her life, ultimately finding the intersection of computer science and education. Autumn has taught high school and middle school, but is pressing start on a new position at the University of North Georgia that will support teachers training in cybersecurity and computer science. Player two is 10-year educator Brandon Murray. Brandon currently teaches Intro to Computer Science and Animation Pathway classes for Fayette County's McIntosh High School. Brandon started programming young at the early age of 10. By age 13, it was 3D animation. He's animated, yet casually cool, perfect for a computer science teacher. I love his occasional whatevs. Brandon and Autumn met through Cyberstart, a cybersecurity training game for students. Autumn says she and Brandon are yin and yang. You're about to see what I mean by that. Welcome, Autumn and Brandon. Awesome. You Hi. made it sound so cool. You I think that was cool. the best intro ever. Thank you, Autumn. This is a gaming episode, so we need to make sure that we introduce you properly and with gusto. I'm glad you like it. How are you Thank today? You. Yeah, we're doing good. Doing it's good? Great to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. You two know each other. Autumn, you've told me that you and Brandon live parallel lives. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Well, obviously, the most obvious is we we're both computer science educators, but uh, we we met one another at uh, University of North Georgia. Uh, professional development. Yeah, it's a professional development. A lot of people don't realize in the summer they think teachers are just at the beach, but no. Gen Cyber. <laughs> Gen is Cyber is a professional development uh, camp that is funded by the NSA, and uh, University of North Georgia is one of our military. Um, national and federal institutions, and it's the military college in Georgia. And so they, every summer through this grant, have put on uh, professional developments for teachers and for students to learn more about cybersecurity. So that's where Brandon and I met one another, and then we had the opportunity to work together as teacher leaders and actually teach an endorsement class to teachers who are new to computer science. And so we've worked together in the past, and we've kind of figured out our strengths and weaknesses, and we're like a perfect yin-yang because we know how to... Yeah, we hit it out. off really nice in that uh, in that first year, and I got to hear about Autumn. You know, Autumn, you played a lot of basketball. I mean, you got gaming kind of like built into it's your built DNA. Into your core. Absolutely. <laughs> and Yours then, too. and then I, and then Brandon helped me because I was actually an English major, um, and Brandon helped me because I'm a career switcher who came into education, and then through a bunch of crazy things that happened end up just evolving into computer science because I was a techie English teacher. Yeah. But Brandon actually has, like, computer science training. And so Brandon... <laughs> he's went, actually trained. He's actually trained, but, he, you know, he, he, he... We just hit it off really well, but I was, like, actually a teacher leader, and there was a part that I didn't quite grasp. And Brandon hopped in, and he would eat lunch with me, and he helped me with it. And I think the people <laughs> at UNG was like, there's something going on. And then they were like, let's yeah. have them teach a class together. And yeah, we, we were, like, high-fiving and hugging yeah. by the first week. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it about Autumn Brandon that drew you together in your meet cute? 
um, you know, big personalities, uh-huh. and uh, and it just likes to have fun, you know, yes. and really that's kind of what gamification is. is, and so it's it's just not surprising that we ended up here um, because we love to have fun and bring a really special energy to uh, to our classrooms, and so. Thanks again for having us. Yes. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about CyberStart, the actual the training platform piece of it. So, you know, the whole idea behind gamification is that you take some sort of educational content or standards, but you wrap it within some sort of like game-ish framework. So, you know, like you have a player or an avatar, yeah, that you score points. And so what CyberStart is is – it's got a series of kind of like, you call them bases, but you can think of them as levels or worlds, right? And some sort of scenario where you're trying to beat the bad guy. And as you complete these missions, your character is scoring higher and higher points. Mm-hmm. And so what's really cool about it is that these students who score high enough, they actually become eligible for scholarships and like you wow. know, cash money prizes. Mm-hmm. They have um, some skin in the game, oh, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Autumn, Very didn't, nice. You've had how many of your students have gone on to, you know, get a scholarship? Um, well, we had, I think over the past two years, we've had 15 students mm. earn a $500 cash prize. <laughs> and then off of the top of my head, I know we've had at least probably 30 who qualified for the scholarship. And the scholarship is through the SANS Institute. And basically, it's like an on demand cybersecurity training that students in high school, if they take advantage of it, can actually be certified cyber professionals Whoa. before they even graduate Before from they high even school. go to college. Oh, that's I mean, amazing. This is, there, I mean, there's so many different cybersecurity certifications you can get, just like there's so many different higher institution, you know, universities you can choose. But yes. the SANS Institute is one of the most well-respected. And so for the kids who take advantage of it, I mean, they're just setting their lives up for success. And, you know, it's turning into a national security. Yeah. And, and it, it makes us feel... You know, every teacher goes into the business because you want to not only help students, but you want to make the world a better place. And it sounds like a cliche, but it's true. And when the, these kids learn about cybersecurity, they are literally protecting, protecting our us. country. Yes, oh. because if you listen to anything on the news, you see that a lot of the attacks from our adversaries have been cyber-based. Yep. You know, and we've already experienced That's them on a, small, on a small scale. Can you imagine if we ever go into a, a war? Yes. Like how serious it could be if our electrical grid was hacked into or our banking, you know, institutions yeah. or our, you know, food chain. Anything. Oh, my goodness. It would be a disaster. Okay. This stuff is so dry. Okay. When you <laughs> get into the, the, you know, the command line yeah. and looking at networks, I mean, most of these kids are just going to tune out mm-hmm. if you are trying to, you know, present this very academically, you know, mathematically even. Bring them into a game. Say, hey, you got to go beat this bad guy. Suddenly all these concepts that are, you know, really kind of dry and boring, they come alive. Yes. And these students, they get engaged off the bat. And it's, it, it's shocking. I mean, mm-hmm. I was shocked when we brought this into the classroom and suddenly I got kids who are, yeah, now they're interested in cybersecurity mm-hmm. Excellent. and how 
I don't know how else I, we were going to hook them. And so you've given us the significant piece of this. You know, they, these are going to be our young sentinels out here uh, protecting us in a way. We're going to dive deeper into gamification in the classroom, but I want to hear more about you guys personally. So if you could just give me your player stats and a couple points, uh, what your background is, uh, Brandon, that led you here today to teaching computer science. Yeah, I played video games growing up, but always, you know, into math and computer science and Ended up trying to kind of do animation, special effects, but didn't really work out post-2008. Uh, not the best job market. So went into <laughs> teaching, had to do math because you kind of have to pick a certain certain subject, but kind of stuck with computer science. That yeah. had always been a background and took the classes, moved out to Georgia from Las Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. You lived in a gaming world, and you came here. Yeah, but when you live in Vegas, you do not play those games, okay? I'm a math teacher. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Don't do the math. Um, and so just miraculously ended up teaching animation, teaching computer science, getting involved in cybersecurity, seeing that whole world that I didn't really know much of. Um, and Yet so, you gravitated there since the ages of 10 and 13. Yeah. I think that was your soul crying out for your, your calling there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream right now. I say. love it. What about you, Autumn? You've had, you've had some very interesting careers uh, before we got here today. Tell us about that. And, you know, the funny thing about it is now in, in hindsight, you know, there's a saying hindsight's 2020. Each one of those things in my past have led me to have the background I have now, which is like perfectly suited from doing for this. But I could have never mapped it out on my own. Of it course. just kind of it was organic. But I was actually an English major in college, and uh, I played college basketball. But I wanted to go into journalism, and one of my careers is I did. Mm -hmm. I worked in um, broadcast television for almost ten years, and it was a wonderful experience. But when I was in high school, we didn't have computer science like what we think of now, computer science in the 90s yeah. when I was in high school, typing. I went to Gwinnett County. It was literally typing, right? <laughs> That's right. And so the, the only thing that, the only other classes that were kind of techy that they had, and I took them, was there, we had a darkroom uh, photography class. I went to Norcross High School in the 90s. We had darkroom photography, and we had the broadcast journalism class. Mm -hmm. And so we put on the announcements, and I had a great teacher, Mike Emery, who's still in the education field now, but he uh, made us rotate, and you had to learn. You know, I wanted to just be the anchor, but he forced us to learn how to do the, the board and all those things. And then it segued into, uh, after I was a college coach, I worked in broadcast journalism. And I was able to work in small markets, and I ended up being a producer in the Atlanta market. But climbing my way through television, I have been a photographer. I used to work the live trucks with the masks, <laughs> and I used to have to edit tape to tape. Then I learned any linear, and I had to run the tapes. In the, in the, I mean, if you work in television, you know there's so many things you have to do. And I had to learn how to do all of them because I didn't have a journalism background. So to get in whatever job they were willing to give me, I had to just dive in and do it. So when I became a teacher... Um, I ended up teaching the broadcasting class, and my principal was like, "That she's kind of techie. <laughs> and so it's when they needed someone right, to teach computer science, because of my techie background from journalism, they were like, will you do it? They chose you. And, you know, the funny thing is television helped me because teaching computer science without a computer science background is frightening. Yes. And that's what so many teachers are having to go through across the state is because people who are trained in computer science usually go into the industry because it's so high paying, mm -hmm. right? So you have math teachers and science teachers. Business teachers. And, you know, yes, business computer science teachers. The people who used to just teach the accounting and the spreadsheets are now asked to teach programming. And we just have to tip our hats to these teachers because teachers are the type who will jump into the pool and learn how to swim. Give you know, it a go. They will because mm -hmm. we love our students so much, and we know if we don't do it, 
who else is going to do it? And that's kind of what happened to me. It was like, I'll try. You'll try. And, and I did, and, and it's now, worked out. And now you're using your broadcasting background and your coaching background <laughs> uh, to parlay into what you do now, and you're going to be coaching teachers at UNG. So that's it's a wonderful story. I feel like you've come full circle, Autumn. <laughs> there are some common idioms that we may not recognize come from gaming, like the phrase one-up is a gaming term, uh, meaning to gain an extra life. And there's definitely a, a, taking advantage over someone when you gain an extra life, for sure. What are your favorite games, gamer expressions? Tell me a little bit about that as individuals. I can say if I had to have a, a gamer saying, there's a song called Level Up. Have y'all yes. heard the song? That's and it's song. like, level up, level up, level up, level yes. up, level up. You know, my daughters <laughs> and I, we have dance parties to it. But it's... um. <laughs> It's a it's a term that when you really think of, it's a good term to say to your kids of like, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's yeah. go. Let's That's go. That's by Sierra. Right, level, it's by Sierra. Atlanta's own, yes. But I you're know right. Well. But you know, when you think about it as a teacher, that's a good thing to say. Like, all level right, up. You've, you mastered that test, and let's level up. Let's see if we can, you know, make your game have a second level. Or That's let's right. Let's see if we can make it have a two-player game instead of just a one-player game. Or can we take it from 2D to 3D? Yes. And if they're constantly leveling up, they don't realize it, but they're building their computer science skills. I want it because you guys are just so so gaming capable, which I don't think all of us usually know that we have that potential until we're taught how to do it. Like you're teaching your students and teachers. How do you gamify your life? Can you give me one example of a way that you make <laughs> life a bit of a game in your world? You want me to go? Okay, so Brandon, when you were saying the parallels of our life, here's another parallel. Brandon has four kids. <laughs> yes, <four>. right. <laughs> And I have two, and all of our kids are under the eight. My oldest is eight. I have a six-year-old and eight-year-old. What's your oldest? Nine. Okay, so Brandon and I are, like, in the same parenting life right now. And your parenting life goes through seasons. So it's funny that you say this because I have to use gaming to, like, help with homework. I have to use gaming to... If you have a child in elementary, you know what sight words are. Sight words are learning words that are, you know, the, the English language is hard to learn because there's certain sounds that just don't make sense, and we don't think of it because we've been reading for so long, we forget what it felt like learning the English language. But when you have small children and you're teaching them how to read and you're teaching them sentence structure and you're teaching them math, the good thing about being a teacher is it helps remind you how it felt to learn a new language. And computer science is a language. In fact, a lot of people don't realize, but in the state of Georgia, students can get a foreign language credit for taking computer science classes. That's amazing. And some kids do take too. advantage of it. It depends on what college you're going to attend that why some kids don't. But to graduate, you could you can use your computer science course for a foreign language because it's respected as a as a foreign language. And so in our home, if I just tell my kids we're having to, you know, through rote memory, learn our sight words, they don't want to do it. But if I make sight word bingo or we make sight word oh, flashy, yeah. oh, then it's like, oh, yeah, let's Different play. Story. It's a totally, and, it, and it's the same way with our kids in the classroom. You have to make them think it's fun. Let's play. Make so them think let's yes, play when let's they're learning. Play. Oh, I love that. And when you think about when we were kids, I remember the teachers would play hangman on the board oh, and yeah. you were learning how to spell and we didn't realize it. We just thought it was a fun game. Yes. Or I remember my, my grandmother taught us how to play spades and I would have to keep score that was helping me with my math skills so mm -hmm. it's digital and so it seems new but when you really think about how we even learned back in the 80s and 70s we were doing we this were too. using games we sure were you guys are such characters I, I really want to hear about our topic at hand which is gamification in the classroom so let's let's move on to that what does gamification mean and what doesn't it mean I'm sure there are some misconceptions here I I think there's another term that I learned in the last five years that goes hand-in-hand hand with gamification, and it's ed tech. 
And I learned ed tech from actually a recent uh, Georgia Tech grad who majored in computer engineering. And I asked her, I said, what do you want to do with this? And she was working at computer science camp. And she said, I want to go into ed tech. And I said, well, what's ed tech? And she was like, ed tech is making games to help kids want to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when I say they go hand in hand, it can be something elaborate or it can be something very simple. But all it is is um, taking a concept and putting it in such a way where the kids feel like they're completing a task. A lot of times, education in the past, the model that we learned in was just repetition, repetition, repetition. And, and repetition still works. It works in sports. It works in fine arts. Whether you play instrument, you dance, repetition is the key, right? But instead of, let's say, um, practicing your math facts and just writing them down over and over, if a kid feels like if I, if I get you know, five math facts right and I get to the end of this level and then I get to play for a couple minutes, <laughs> then they'll, they'll do their math facts. Yeah. And there was a student who created uh, GimKit, right? Wasn't that created by a student? There's a game that teachers use all over called GimKit. There's one called Kahoot. There's one called Quizlet. Kahoot. And these are just basic rote memory, reviewing for your SAT terms, reviewing for whatever. But there was a student who took it and he made it into, if you get so many right, you power up. And you get more whatever. Like there's one that's snow brawl, so they can run <laughs> around the and, and it's like this little land, and they can throw snowballs at each other, right? And the kids play in class together. So the more snowballs you have, you can, you know, really win. But in order to get more snowballs, you have to get the answers correct. Mm -hmm. So he's using the game to incentivize yes. the outcomes, and that's a really simple way of doing it. We do it differently a little bit in computer science, but. To think that a student, a teenager, knew what would motivate his classmates, and now that's one of the most commonly used ed techs. That's that amazing. Use across the country. You know that's that. amazing. Anything I, to add? Yeah, here, I don't know that there's like you know one definition of gamification. There's lots of ideas that you can borrow from gaming: getting points, leaderboards, competition, mm -hmm. avatar. Right. So it's just varying degrees of gamification and just kind of different different models, different looks uh, looks at it. Um, and so kind of what you're describing over there, you know, I don't know, is playing the game as the reward, is that necessarily gamification? Gamification isn't just playing a video game, you know, but you can create, too. but it can also maybe that's a part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just these sort of varying degrees of gamification, um, they're all kind of useful in the right context. And right. there can be it can get out of hand, too. I mean, you know, we uh in computer science, we do scratch, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't know. When students are making games, does that count as gamification? Maybe not, right? Um, but definitely in scratch, sometimes they'll get off task and they'll just go play games. And but so you know, I think, I'm sorry to cut you off. You um, but like, well, first, with scratch, what scratch is, is uh, MIT created um, like a way based. to learn programming, but instead of having to write the syntax, think about syntax as when you write a paper and you have to know when to put your punctuation. The order of the words. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the right punctuation, right spelling. Imagine if a, a English professor was like, just go with the flow and don't worry about the syntax and just put your feelings. You know, you'd be more creative. So what MIT did years ago, and it's, it was a, a great start with gamification and computer science, is they said, we're going to make it where it's just drag and drop. and You don't have to know the syntax. You just know basically the constructs. Does that make sense? So yes. he says scratch. And there's so, little characters on the screen. Yeah, sound effects, <laughs> avatars. But, I mean, look, you are building a game 
And in order to do that, you have to learn and understand computer science. Right. And so I think it's a that's a wonderful another take on gamification. Yes. I like that you say this this warning. It can it couldn't get out of hand. It can't. Oh. Because I think that might be one of the misconceptions of gaming. It's not gaming to game. It's not gaming for distraction. Yes. It is gaming to meet a learning objective. Right. And I think that's an interesting point. Like that that has to go hand in hand with the learning outcome that you're striving for sure. or the standard and and we'll talk about that. Well, and I I want to say that I have to give, because we're on this topic, there's a tool that I have to give shout out with because when I first started teaching computer science, I had no idea what I was doing. And Lego Minecraft and CS First, created by Google, were the two that taught me how to not let it get out of hand. There you go. And basically, if I had to draw an analogy with English, since I taught English, when when we all had to learn Romeo and Juliet, you really... (laughs) You really don't care about the Capulets and the the Montagues. Like, who cares? That shouldn't be on the test. What you care about is, as an English teacher, this is a perfect tool to teach dramatic irony. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect tool to teach foreshadowing. This is a perfect tool to teach um, a tragic character and all these different concepts that are literary terms. And so kids misunderstand and they think I just have to memorize who's a Montague and who's a Capulet. And that's not why we teach it. We teach it because it's a piece of text that has so many different examples in it that we can teach all this figurative language, right? So if that's what my my English, he's looking at me like I'm crazy. This is the Uh, math teacher looking at the English teacher. No, I got no. Yeah, no. But but in, in computer science, the reason it gets out of control is if a teacher is like, well, they told me gamification, let's play games in class. No, that's not what we're saying. Like, it gets out of control, I think, going to what Brandon's saying, is if, if someone says, just go play, right? that's going to get out of control. But if we say, like in computer science, you have to learn sequences, you have to learn loops or iteration, and you have to learn conditional statements. That means, like, a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. If this happens, go if to then. left. If then statements. If this happens, go to the right. Okay. So with CS First, for example, they scaffold about 10 games that the kids make. And in the first game, it's teaching them how to lose, use loops. And it's like a race car game. And every person, time the person clicks this, like, you know, the cars go faster. Then the next game it teaches, it's like it's loops and it's a conditional. So it's building. Then, then it's building. It's, it's building. scaffolding on it. And like that's it. how you can use gamification to still have a task Very at hand. smart. But just rolling out the, the, the PS5 and saying, all right, let's get at not it. A no, good idea. that's not, not gamification. A good idea. Do you think games can provide initial instruction or are they better as tools for practice and drilling? Yeah, I mean, think, it, it, I think it just it depends on the topic. It depends on the material and it depends on the creativity of the game. Right. right? Um, you know, play the the idea of play. Children play because they're kind of like that's how they experience and explore the types of stuff they might have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as a as an adult. Right. Animals play. They are learning skills, upskilling, leveling up for when they when they grow older. And so for for us, you know, we make play sometimes an end in itself, mm-hmm. right? Games, we go sit on the a- Xbox, and that's the point of the game. And so getting a getting gamification to work in the classroom is to take the end and make, make the goal the education, the right. learning. Exactly. Can I get you guys to, one of you to tell me what you think about this. Do you find that game-based learning engages all your students? Uh, equally, or do you also have to differentiate like you do with other traditional forms of teaching? Definitely CyberStart, as great as CyberStart has been for learning the the cybersecurity curriculum, um, 
to your original point, it is not the best place to start with these concepts. <laughs> okay. There are some prerequisite things that you kind of have to get across. And I, I noticed in the field manual, they started to kind of address that. The field manual is the the book, the kind of textbook that goes alongside of it. Um, and so in the case of that game, yeah, you don't necessarily want to start there. You, you kind of have to come come back and maybe teach a concept and show them where they're going to have to go to From there. be able to do this. But once once they have the prerequisite skills, then then they can fly. But not everyone not everyone always wants to keep going super hard at it. Yeah. So. I think I think the I think the advantage of CyberStart specifically is in cybersecurity it's hard to apply skills. We we have a generation that they've had a device in their hands since they're like sorry bad parenting but like since they're two. forever, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> since birth they came so, out with one. Right, they they so they want to apply you know, they don't want to consume. They want to either project-based learn, they want to make something, or they want to apply it. And the challenge with cybersecurity is we can't let them hack into the, the grade book. We can't let them hack into the school's network. We can't create oh, these little sites. Like right, game. right. We can't we can't <laughs> say, hey, this is how hackers do this now. Let's let's go try let's to check it out. Hack into the principal's email. You know, we can't <laughs> do that. And so the beauty of CyberStart is it gave a safe, controlled environment where the kids could to take these cybersecurity concepts and apply them in a way that's safe. And it even has built-in virtual machines. And what a virtual machine is, is think about when a pilot learns how to fly. Well, you're not going to take a pilot the first couple trips. And put them in an airplane. Right. They have a virtual simulator, right? Exactly. And so in the same kind of concept of keeping it in a safe, controlled environment, CyberStart is like a safe, controlled environment to let the kids apply cybersecurity skills. Because before CyberStart, when I was teaching cybersecurity, it was just like boring. Outside of a couple of YouTube videos I could show them, it was just vocab and mm -hmm. it was boring and it was dry. And when they could do CyberStart and they could apply it, that would make them light up. The, well, let's be real. It came to the, life. You know, we're talking about CyberStart so specific to, you know, the idea of cybersecurity. And no, not every student gets fully engaged, locked in, and to wants that subject to, matter. yeah, and wants to see that to its to its final conclusion. Right. And so. Yes, we get better engagement. They are interested, but like any game, I mean, I cannot sit at home and play Super Mario for, you know, hours all day every day. It's not going to happen. I'm a, I'm gonna get bored of that game. Mm -hmm. And so, in the same way, some some educational games, maybe it doesn't continue to speak to the student that they don't need to engage and and keep playing it forever. Um, but it works in that moment. It, it, it works, works in that moment. And but in like, our classes. Is when you said differentiation earlier, um, CyberStart does have a section that's like programming, and then they have another section that's more like uh, like social engineering. You know, so this differentiated a little bit, but it made me think of another colleague that we both know named John Lilly mm -hmm. is really strong. Um, he's at the Alliance Academy in Forsyth County. And then there's another teacher in Forsyth County named P.K. Graff. And I've learned from both of them that – they do esports. Esports is a growing um, extracurricular activity in in Georgia uh, public schools. There's even you can get a letter because yeah. it's it's recognized. You got by coaches. The, yeah, Look at that. Paid and, coaches. and both of these gentlemen, you can either do it under GHSA, which is the same governing body as like our the other gym, sports, right? Yeah. Or you can do outside ones. And I think. John and PK, I think they both do them in groups that are outside because it's a little bit less pressure. Yeah, but. In talking to them, I never understood how even with their esports teams, they have to learn about strategy 
and they have to learn about how the game's motivation works and how the points system works to come up with a strategy and to know which people on their team, like if you have a gymnastics team, you have to know who's best at the vault and who's best at the floor. And you put people who are best at each skill. And those skills and those positions. Yeah. And yeah. so even though it's it's not directly what we think of computer science when we think of someone sitting at a desk and programming, but that's still life skills and problem solving and collaborating and working with people that they do in an extracurricular activity that's esports. And that's actually playing a game, but they're playing it with strategy and like with an end goal in mind. Yes. So that's a different way where if they don't like CyberStart, well, then you could be on the esports team. Or exactly. You make a game, there are or you other options that can engage all the students. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, great. I would like to do this as a little bit of a give and take exercise. If you guys could just shout out oh, as bullet well, points, what shout. benefits have you observed from gamification in the classroom? Just shout out a few benefits back Mo and forth. Motivation. Oh, that's good. Engagement. Excitement. Uh, creativity. That's good. I would say uh, respect. Oh. Like they, they have a newfound respect for people who are in gaming or who make games. Interesting. And learning. I mean, learning. Yeah. Outcomes. Yes. Okay, those are some good benefits. Or just career. I don't know if what's the correct word. Yeah. But there's so many careers, animation, yeah, programming. There's so many careers in the game design industry that they didn't Sparking interest yeah. in, in related careers. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you assess the effectiveness of gamification? Do you have a rubric? Is there another way to evaluate progress? One thing I did last year, like he was saying, some units are just more dry than others. So there's one unit um, in the AP class and actually in the intro class where they have to learn about computer networks. And I don't know, how, is there a unit that's more dry than that? <laughs> like, it is dry. <laughs> and so what I did with the kids is, you know, you always have to bring in candy. So I would go and buy the big bag of, like, the pinata candy, right? And so we would start each class, and we would do our, uh, like, gaming with our vocab words, just like the Quizlet or Kahoot at the beginning of the class. And whichever kids were the top three knowing their vocab, you get candy. And so we would just do that every day. And this is like in teaching role, it's your warm up, it's your bell ring or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, the kids were excited. They would come in the door. during. The, now, this is the unit everyone hates. But, but when I brought some candy in and they knew as soon as that bell rang, you better be on Kahoot. Because yeah, like Kahoot. if you don't get in in time, you're That's not going to get the chance of candy. And I mean, these are boring vocab words, like stuff that they have no prior knowledge I can't hack into the network and show them. <laughs> I mean, it really is a challenge to teach as a teacher. And so I just had to go old school with the candy. But the gaming yeah, and the competition made it fun. It gets kids it locked did. The competition mm -hmm. helped them progress right. with the learning. And then the, the progress, And then the progress would get to the point where they would say, oh, we know this one. Let's move on to the next one. Next. And so <laughs> it's more formative. I wouldn't say it's like an official where I keep data. But the kids will give you formative feedback. And most teachers know that formative assessments – are really more important than summative because formative assessments, you can actually, you know, go back and punt the ball and say, okay, we need to revisit this or we can move on. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like quick ticket out the door, quick bell ringer, things that teachers don't have to put that much effort in because we're already so overwhelmed with so much on our plate. But if you're talking about formative assessments, gamification is on every level, K through 12. That's work, the way to go. How, how do you choose games that align with the course standards? Um, are you choosing gamified lessons from a certain place? Or are you just finding inspiration yourself and choosing them? You know, so my big one, uh, the big game that I use is Minecraft. And I didn't know anything about this, but I teach animation and I teach computer science. And I found out that they have what's called Minecraft Education Edition. Mm -hmm. 
And without knowing anything about it, I'm just like, hey, kids, do you want to try to figure out how to hack on Minecraft? And the whole room blew up, right? And it's <laughs> it's like, it's go time. And so, yeah, on that one, you looked around, you saw what do the kids know, what did they like, and oh man, did that thing take off like a rocket. And we are <laughs> we, we do some really cool stuff in Minecraft, modding it, creating new characters, new enemies, new behaviors, new animations, programming it. They have uh, computer science assignments in that. And so the kids end up making modding Minecraft into their own game with their own story. Um, and that that has been just wildly successful for me, not without its own problems. But of course. Yes. And then for me, when I taught middle school, I leaned a lot on the ed tech and the ed tech firms. They do a great job. Most of them will put um, like the ITSE standards. Mm -hmm. or the CSTA standards. There's some standards that are universal, so it's not necessarily CSTA, the Georgia ISTE. standards, but if you look at them, they align with the Georgia standards. You kind of find the corresponding one. But then when I got to the high school level, the high school kids are more into project-based learning, so they want to create something. So what I started doing is at the end of each unit, we will always have a multiple-choice test, but we also have a project. And with the project, this is where differentiation would come in. Whatever the concept we were learning in that unit, they had to basically, I didn't call it EdTech, but they had to make some type of programming construct that uh, would support that. And most of them would do EdTech. And even for the AP uh, exam, they have to, to create a program. And so we use code.org, and code.org has this thing called App Lab. Mm -hmm. And my students almost all made apps that were kind of gamish. Um, where it was like like my athletes, they would make something that like if you wanted to know stats about who won the Super Bowl right. from 1942, and they would build an app and it would have that data in there. Or if it was someone who, I hate to make it a female male, but my females who were into fashion or who were into clothing or into music, they would make apps that were more about pop culture or clothes, but they're still using the same ed tech, but mm -hmm. it was amazing Applied how, how they are Yes, interested. but they're still using the same concepts, using the same tools, but they were able to, because they're creating their own thing, master Inject in a way that took their, yes, use their own interests, which I think is beautiful. So I would say, I can't take so much credit. It's more the ed tech has set it up for us that if you teach those core concepts and you make sure and have like a rubric or a checklist of you have to at least have this, 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 and this. Must contain these components, otherwise yeah. run with it. But the kids will go further. And I mean, you give them this, they make it better every time. I very, very rarely do you have a kid who does the minimum because they get into it and they just want to make it better. It's so engaging. It's competitive and they see their friends and they'll walk around the room and say, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, I want to <laughs> do that. And, it, you know, it's 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 awesome. I imagine that energy is is palpable in the room. <laughs> it is. Our, our rooms are always, is your classroom like loud? What? Huh? Yeah, I feel like our classrooms are loud. I here. My, my, my <laughs> I hearing's gone. It. I yeah. got it. I understood. But you know, I feel hearing like it's one of those things where you have to, um, you have to let them work in a collaborative group. You know, we grew up where it was like sit in your st seat, stay in your rows, and that's now. If you go into any gaming firm, that's not how they work. They no. let people come in groups, and you have different people who have different strengths, and they come together, and you have the person. It's who's flowing. More, yes, it's and you flowing. have to let the kids get up out of their seats and help each other, teach each other, and they sometimes they know more than us. Let them teach. Like sometimes I'll say, "How did you do that?" <laughs> yeah. And they'll teach me a lot of times. Because sometimes that is what learning looks like. You Absolutely. guys have shown Messy. us that today. Let's end with this. Um, you know, in gaming speak, the boss is that final contender, the mm -hmm. villain that you have to beat in every level. <laughs> what is the biggest obstacle from each of your vantage points that teachers have to overcome before they can launch some gaming practices in their classrooms? What is that optical, obstacle for teachers? For me, in Minecraft, 
it, there's a classroom management component because they can go off task. Um, and so I had to, I had to figure out what, what classroom management needed, what I needed to keep things under control. And so in our Minecraft world, we're all in the same world and they're building over here and he's over here and then maybe they're trying to kill each other. And so my role as <clears throat> the God Emperor Murray of the <laughs> Minecraft world is to, you know, uh, punish the, uh, 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 the sinners who are messing around. And so I actually created some code and it, it's called Murgatory uh. where I would... I would put a tag on their character name called, it said tag, they're a sinner. And then if they messed up again, I would put them in murgatory and literally a box <laughs> would form around them. The and the box. box just had my smiling face on it. <laughs> oh, scary. Literally trapped in this glowing, smiling Murray box <laughs> that they can't hack out of. They lose all their items and they are, you know, they're, they're in murgatory until, until I decide that. Gone over there. Hey, come on, dude. Get get on task. Get on task. Your team needs you to do this part. Okay, so do not let this happen again. Yes. And then and then I would burn the murgatory down, and they would die and respawn. Yeah. From the mind <laughs> of Brandon Murray, I enjoyed that very much. Autumn, what obstacle do you think teachers uh, need to overcome? I think it's similar to Brandon's where we talk about classroom management, but I would say mine is more with your your instructional calendar and your timeline, and just like with every game. There's always you have to complete that level in a certain a lot of time. Unfortunately, with teachers, you still have to stick to your instructional calendar, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're going to try gamification in class, you have to teach with the end in mind. Know what week you have to end that unit and work backwards and really, really stick to, okay, we can only spend two or three days on this or we can only spend this week on that because – what will happen is your kids will be so engaged and they'll be having so much fun and they'll say, one more day. Oh, we're not going to be done. One more day. <laughs> and as a teacher, it just warms your heart. And you're like, oh, my goodness, they like my lesson. And I yes. just, just want to get, okay, one more day, you guys. <laughs> and then you'll look up and it's like, final exams are next week. And oh, my goodness. Right. You know, what are we doing? Right. Catch up. So I think that once I became a computer science teacher, and <laughs> I failed at that a couple of times, I really, really um, – made an instructional calendar that was dynamic because in, in pre-planning it's always you have this beautiful instructional calendar that's perfect and you know exactly what weeks are going to fall where and then stuff happens there's an assembly, there's a fire drill there's state things testing, come up. things come up and so it has to be dynamic, you have to keep revisiting and you have to stick to it because yes, stick the to kids it. are going to love it and maybe you need to create an after school club or maybe let them come in on Saturdays or whatever because when you do see them engaged you don't want to mm -hmm. squash it but yep. at the mm -hmm. same time you don't want to lose your you job. You want to let it flourish Right, you want to yeah. hit those standards too so you don't lose your job so <laughs> stick to your instructional calendar make one make a plan keep looking at it keep every sunday night when you're getting yourself ready for the week look at your timetable make sure you're on on time to get through each unit before the end of the semester great great feedback autumn brandon thank you for being here player one player two who do you think won this won this battle this is, a, this is a this is a we're like a duel. We're no, like, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. We're, yeah, yeah. This is a co-op game. There Let's be go. clear, yeah, all right? Yeah. We're a team. Let's we were, there we are. <laughs> Actually reaching for high fives. I love it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having Loved us. Loved having you. To play along in the Gamerverse, let me end by saying GG, good game in the chat. I'm about to go AFK away from keyboard, although for me, I guess it's AFM because the console in my world is a microphone. So you enter the game with the best possible FOV field of view. Know that this is our perception. You're a great teacher. 
Your host and her avatar are now signing off, but I have more lives in the way of episodes, so come back next week for another stimulating level of classroom conversations. Goodbye for now. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 